Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Well, the good news is that we have two top prospects on the way. The bad news is that everybody is hurt. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, April 12th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, going to recap everything from Tuesday's games. Taj Bradley and Edward Julian are on the way to the bigs. Everybody is hurt. As I mentioned, we'll talk about the injuries. Team name Wednesday. I'm just going to preface this. Probably not going to get to it. It's probably going to turn into a team name Thursday, which we'll do tomorrow. This is, this is the most jam-packed show of the year, I would say. Even even like, you know, the Monday shows, you think, oh, we got a whole weekend to cover. I, I still feel like this is the most jam-packed show. Just an absolutely absurd amount of news today. Yeah, news, performances, a lot going on, prospects. So let's just uh, jump right in before we get going. Make sure to like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating. We really do appreciate it. And let's jump in. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Made famous by, of course, Hawk Harrelson, legendary broadcaster with the White Sox. I think someone told me that he used to do Yankees radio back in the day. I'm not a baseball historian, if you haven't, if you can't tell. Uh, anywho, oh my goodness gracious, Chris, we'll start with you, a player you'd like to highlight. Uh, shout out to, at least through the first 10 games or so of the season, maybe an all-time great win-win trade. Uh, you've got Luis Arias hitting for the cycle for the first time in Marlins history, 3700th career game. But my actual go, oh my goodness gracious, player of the game or my put it on the board, yes, yes, player of the game, is uh, Pablo Lopez, who 
I don't know how much longer we need to keep dancing around the idea that he's legitimately breaking out and taking a, a big step forward because, you know, we saw in the World Baseball Classic, we saw a little bit of it in spring training, and then through his first three starts, he's been arguably the best pitcher in baseball, 36% strikeout rate so far. He racked up 20 swinging strikes today against a, a White Sox team that is not necessarily known for their uh, discipline at the plate, but still, uh, he's been outstanding, had four whiffs on the four-seamer, three on the sinker, seven on the changeup, three on the sweeper, three on the curveball. It's just absolutely ridiculous. His vo- velocity still averaging 95.1 miles per hour with his fastball. I At this point, the shoulder's really the only concern for me, you know, and, and really... He made it through last season unscathed, so I'm not sure how much more risk Pablo Lopez carries than your average pitcher. Your average pitcher carries quite a bit of risk, so you know that's still saying something, but he was a good pitcher before he added a mile and a half per hour to his fastball and a new sweeper that looks like a very, very good pitch. He might just be a top 20 guy now. That is Pablo Lopez that we're talking about, and what I like from this start is that he actually moved away from the sweeper and he went back mm-hmm. to his changeup, which traditionally was his best pitch, and just reminding everyone that he has that in the bag. So the changeup in conjunction with this new sweeper, which looks very good, the fastball velocity being up so far this season. I agree, Chris. I think it all comes down to health. Scott, last week when we talked about Pablo Lopez, you weren't on that episode, uh, so I'll give you the opportunity. I had a segment set up for later on, but let's just break it out now. Breakout or fake out? Are you buying it with Pablo Lopez? I think it's a breakout. Look, I'm I'm willing to give extra credit to any pitcher who has been reliable to this <laughs> point in the season because it's a it's a very small list. And not not only has Lopez not only is Lopez on that list, but there are tangible changes that explain this step forward for him, that the introduction of a new, very effective breaking ball and improved velocity. So um you know, I had him. I had him as a breakout pick last year. It looks like I was a year early with that. All right. Well, Scott, we'll stick with you. And oh my goodness gracious, player from Tuesday night. So probably the hitting star of Tuesday was Ryan Mountcastle of the Orioles. But I'm going to go with his teammate, who was much more available in fantasy, only 55% rostered in CBS Sports leagues, and also had a huge game Tuesday. I'm going to go with Austin Hayes of the Orioles, who went four for five with a home run, his third, with a double, his fifth, scored four runs. Mountcastle, by the way, two home runs, nine RBI. <laughs> um, but but Hayes, uh, Hayes was uh, you know, a big part of that outburst for the Orioles as well. And uh, last two days, he's six for nine with two home runs, two doubles. You know, it's, it's been a nice, a nice couple of days for Austin Hayes. I don't want to go overboard with this. Okay, you you look at the underlying data; it looks largely the same as what we're used to seeing from Austin Hayes. The, the main difference is his barrel rate is five times what it normally <laughs> is. It's uh, a, a very Aaron Judge like. Uh, well, entering today, maybe even higher now, but entering today was a twenty three point one percent barrel rate, which. Barrel rate can fluctuate from year to year, but if it's that extreme, it's probably a good indication that the player's just hot. 
especially if you can't really point to a lot of other changes for said player. Austin Hayes could be better than he was last year. I think uh, I think there's a good chance he rebounds to 2021 levels where he hit 22 home runs. Granted, that was before the Orioles yeah. moved the left field fence way back, but the ball seems to be playing better this year. So could Austin Hayes get back to being a 20 homer guy? Uh, yeah, he could. He, he I, I suspect he'll be more relevant in five outfielder leagues than I thought coming in, but I, I'm not ready to declare him a breakout candidate the way I am Pablo Lopez. Now, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here, Scott, but Austin Hayes is not going to face Oakland A's pitching every single game, that's right? True, so too. that's, yep. you know, that's the immediate thing. Like, I think we kind of know who Austin Hayes is, but you're right. If he can get back to hitting 260 with 20 home runs, I mean, that is a, it's not a great player, but it's a viable player in a, in a five outfielder league or, or something like that. So uh, a more of a high floor play than anything else. Some of the most added outfielders in his range, he's 54% roster right now. Trevor Larnick is up to 44%. Jorge Soler is up to 50 Scott, would you take Hayes over both those names? Uh, if you're like selling out for upsides, a three outfielder league, you're just looking to fill a bench spot. I, I would, I think I would prefer both Soler and Larnick to him. But if it's a, I need a starter now situation, a, a deeper roto league, five outfielders, then I could see leaning Hayes. It, it really just, it's one of those situations where it depends on need. I don't think, I don't think Hayes is a, ceiling is especially high as the the overall takeaway here. All right, fair enough. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit and go with Ryan Mountcastle as my player of the night. You mentioned what he did, Scott. A double dong, nine RBI for him in this game against Oakland. I mean, similar to Austin Hayes, you know, he's not going to face these pitchers every single game out, but he's looked good so far, and uh, he's hitting the ball really hard, entering... Tuesday's action, 94 mile per hour exit velocity at 22% barrel rate. The problem is he still is striking out quite a bit. 15 strikeouts with a 30% strikeout rate overall. But as you pointed out, Scott, the ball is playing better this year uh, so far for home runs. We've got a 12.2% home run to fly ball ratio league wide. We'll see where that goes from here. I mean, you know, maybe it's just been really warm so far. It is very funny that, that like... I think three days ago when we were talking about it, it was like 13.6%. So in just that time, it's already... So it's like, as we said the other day, deep breaths. Well, Calm down. since then, there was a, a cold front that went through. And now the we're, we're back out of the cold front. It was over 80 degrees in Denver uh, today for the, for the Rockies game. My point, you know, yes, like there there is going to be more fluctuation with that over the course of April, but for the month of the year when it's normally the lowest home run to fly ball rate, it is much higher so far than last year. And it's similar to 2016 through 2018, which was the early, the early stages of the juice ball era. Uh, yeah, so I, I think there's a chance that that, uh, that number could rise throughout those warmer months, as you're pointing out here, Scott. So same thing with Pablo Lopez. I had Ryan Mountcastle as part of this breakout or fakeout. And I kind of think that he could be a breakout this year if the ball is playing this way. Because, again, he hit the ball really hard last year. His barrel rate was good. Statcast page was covered in red. But we were worried that balls were not going to leave the yard to left field in Camden Yards. And, you know, if they if they are flying a little bit more frequently, then, yeah, I kind of think that Ryan Mountcastle could break out. Chris, uh, what do you think there on Mountcastle? I, I tend to still be pretty skeptical just because I'm not... 
sure that the ball is so different that we can expect a radically different uh, environment than last year. And I just, I really think for Mountcastle in particular, it's just Camden Yards is going to be a really tough place for him to play moving forward. And, you know, looking at his spray chart, it looks like he's already lost at least one home run to the uh, cutout there. I think he had a double off the wall uh, the other day. So like, I still think it's likely to be an issue, but you know, he did take a big step forward last season. His skill set was yeah, well, much improved. In, it just in terms of you didn't set. really see it. Yeah, you didn't really see it in the the actual numbers. So swallowed if it's up a by better, the yeah, if it's a better offensive environment and a few of those wall scrapers, you know, a few of those deep flyouts turn into doubles, a few doubles turn into home runs. Yeah, you I can see a case for a Ryan Malcastle breakout, but I I wouldn't be trying to buy him right now. And I know we can't get in a long conversation about this today, especially, but I, it, it is worth reiterating that just because the ball appears to have less drag at this stage of the season yes. doesn't mean every ball used over the course of the year is going to have the same level of drag. And so it just depends know, if Aaron Judge is chasing a record or not. You know, <laughs> Don't make huge presumptions based on how the ball is playing now. Okay. You know what's so interesting looking at Mountcastle's year-by-year numbers is that just two years ago, he hit 33 home runs. You know, I was going to say, hey, he can get back to 30 homers, and that's a breakout. I mean, I guess it's just kind of a re-breakout or return to... It's a breakout. Yeah, I I guess so. Um, But I I think it's possible for Ryan Mountcastle, given how hard he hits the ball. We'll continue to uh, track those trends as the season goes on. I already brought up two of the names for the breakout or fakeout segment. The last one I'll bring up is Matt Chapman, who went two for four with his third home run. It was nearly 110 miles per hour off the bat, traveled 423 feet, and so far he is batting 477 this season. The strikeout rate is down. He is crushing the ball, 99.7 mile per hour EV, uh, entering Tuesday's action, lots of barrels, and it is a contract year. I know I, I said that recently about Glaber Torres and was wrong. I double, I triple checked. Matt Chapman is in a yes. in a contract year. Scott, breakout or fake out for Matt Chapman? So I'm going to lean fake out here. And I actually wrote about him uh, today. An article came out, 10 hot hitters. What's the likelihood of them continuing what they've done so far? Um, and Matt Chapman was in there. You know, ob- Obviously not the perspective, oh, he's going to continue to hit 500, but just like is the shape of his production going to continue to be this? And I gave him a 5.5 on the likelihood scale. Which seems pretty low, but that means you know slightly better than fifty percent chance of uh, being a better player this year. And uh, my reasoning for that, well, well, my reasoning why I'm I'm saying it's it's probably a fake out is because he has a track record of being a guy who hits the ball very hard. So the fact he's doing that again this year is, who you know that's what he always does. Uh, and at times it's led to you know, more like 30, 35 home runs. At times, it's led to more like 25 home runs. Uh, but the batting average has never been particularly good. So why would that change this year? Uh, well, I mean, the argument is, and, and it's showing up in the data, he's made more of a focus, he's, he's put more of a focus on hitting the ball up the middle and the other way. And we've seen other players, Austin Riley comes to mind, who have uh, taken a big step forward. P- players who ha- who make really impactful contact contact take a step forward with that uh, he also apparently worked on Bo Bichette with his two strike approach and a strikeout rate is way down it's it's closer to 20 percent this year 
very early. Then 30%, which is about where it was when he was dealing with all the hip, hip stuff. That's about where it was for Matt Chapman last year. But he has struck out at this lower rate before and still been like a 250 hitter. So I think he's probably going to be better than he was last year. Is he going to have the best year of his career? There's a chance I'd bet against it. All right, let's get into some of those prospects who are getting the call here. And Taj Bradley with the Tampa Bay Rays. He is their top pitching prospect. The other one being Edouard Julian with the Minnesota Twins. We'll start off with Bradley. Zach Eflin is headed to the IL with lower back tightness. And uh, as a result, they are calling up Bradley to start on Wednesday against the Red Sox. We're looking at a big fastball and cutter with very strong command from Bradley. He made 28 starts last year between AA and AAA. Had a 2.57 ERA, 104 whip. 141 strikeouts over 133rd and a third innings pitched. Wow, that sounds so weird to say. 133 and a third. 133 and a third. Yeah, what's what's going on with me? I mean, my brain is nearly fried after uh, everything from Tuesday. But I have lots of questions. Chris, we'll start with you. What are your expectations for Bradley? Do you think he sticks around with the team? Is he a must-add for fantasy? Your thoughts? Any other team, I would think there's a decent chance he sticks around. The Rays are so unsentimental about their young players that I, I think there's almost no chance he makes five consecutive starts for them unless Eflin's injury ends up being more serious than it sounds or another injury happens. But if Eflin is back in a couple of weeks, I think there's a high likelihood that Taj Bradley gets sent back down. He was very limited in the spring. Uh, I don't think he pitched more than like one and a third innings in any of his outings. I know he got hit by a comebacker on one of them uh, that cost him, forced him to leave early. But then his first couple of spring starts or sorry, triple A starts, he's thrown 55 and 51 innings or 51 pitches. So I think you're probably looking at 60 to 70 pitches in his first outing. And it might just be the one outing. I, I remember... I think the first time Brent Honeywell got called up a few years ago, it was a similar situation. They called him up for one start. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if they called him up for one start and then sent him back down and called up some reliever to uh, to help them out. It wouldn't shock me if he made two starts. I'd be pretty surprised if he made, like I said, five. I think he's a, an interesting pitcher, certainly a talented one. And anytime you have this kind of player, it's always possible that they just force the issue. You know, I, I distinctly remember when Juan Soto got called up. You know, we're talking five years ago now. Uh, our initial reaction was, this is probably just a short-term thing. And then he was just one of the best hitters in baseball and stayed up forever. It's probably not going to be the case here. My reaction, but... I'm pretty sure it was. I, I, I'm pretty I, sure I wrote it was. A, I wrote one of those pick him up everywhere articles for Juan Soto. But we, we don't have to relitigate five years ago. So. Uh, I think it's important to relitigate five years ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you've got a roster spot to play with, sure, Adam. There, there's no downside to it if it doesn't cost you anything. It's just it, the, the likeliest outcome is he's not an impact player for you right now. Scott, the question I kept getting is, do I drop this? Do I drop this pitcher that I just added for Taj Bradley? Mm -hmm. And you know, more often than not, you know, I'm I was gonna I, I would stick with uh, like Anthony DeScofani and and some of the other Justin names that we've Steele. mentioned recently. Yeah. yeah, Justin Steele is one that I was getting a lot. Um, what are your thoughts on Taj Bradley? Would you take him over any of Bryce Elder, DeScofani, Bubich? I would take him over Bryce Elder. I'll jump in and say that that's one that I just think there's so little upside with that I would I would do that one. 
Okay, so you weren't on, you weren't on for Bryce Elder, and that's a slightly different take than Frank and I gave. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty lukewarm on Taj Bradley as a fantasy asset. I agree with Chris; it's likely a short term stay, and he's likely not going to work that deep into the game. And there are a lot of developmental hurdles for Rays pitchers in particular. I I think there's a lot of talent there, and as Chris said, he could force the issue. But I'm kind of at the point with starting pitcher right now where, like, if you're giving me something, <laughs> I'm go- I'm going to put maybe more. Uh, I'm I'm going to give them maybe more credit than I might have in years past, and uh, it's it's going to be really hard for me to pass on Anthony Disclafani after I was excited to pick him up. Mm-hmm. All right, let's slide over to Edouard Julian, who's getting called up by the Minnesota Twins as Joey Gallo was placed on the IL. Last year in the minors, Julian hit 300 with a 441 OBP. That is not a typo. 441. 17 home runs, 19 steals. I saw him play out in the Arizona Fall League. Electric player, amazing eye at the plate. Uh, He's got modest power, but he can drive the ball to all fields. I remember watching some highlights last year and he hit home runs to left field to right field. Didn't really matter. He was actually in the home run derby in the AFL too. So I got to see him in that too. Uh, Did not perform very well in a home run derby, but he's still a very interesting player and he could play all over the diamond. He has experience at second base, third base, left field and first base in the minors. Well, that's, that's stretching it a little bit because the reason Edward Julian has played all over the diamond is because he can't really play anywhere on the diamond. So they're, they're trying, trying to figure out a way where they can mitigate the defensive harm of Edward Julian. And, and second base is a better position to do that than, than most. Um, of course, Jorge Polanco is also on a rehab assignment. So is the path really clear for Julian at second base? Not for long. Uh, he hasn't played first base since 2021, so would they be willing to stick him there? Would they just stick him at DH for a while? I, I think all of these are possibilities. It's, it's ultimately going to come down to how Edward Julian performs. But as a hitting talent, I am bullish on Julian. This is this is one of my like uh, pet players, pet prospects from the past year. I've, I've taken to calling him the French Emperor of Walks, which I hope catches on you know it's kind of a play on kevin euclid the greek god of walks but you mentioned the on-base skills for edward julian frank uh and and yes they're they're it like he hits the ball he genuinely hits the ball hard too it's not just he has like this one gimmick that he does in fact in between spring training and the world baseball classic where he played for canada julian hit 417 with five home runs this spring uh so i'm i'm excited to see what he can do playing regularly in the majors but it is a very big question how regularly he'll be able to play given his defensive limitations. So it's it's sort of like with Taj Bradley. It's like, oh, would you drop Bryce Terang for him? Would you drop... Um, Nolan Gorman was one I was getting a lot. Sure. And I didn't move Julian up that high in my second base rankings. I just updated them earlier today. He's still outside the top 20 at that position. So I, I guess the default answer would be no. I do think, you know, depending on the context of your league, if you're talking a shallower league with no middle infield spot and this is just kind of speculating with a bench spot on an upside play, okay. I, I mean, if you want to swap out Julian for, for Terang in that context, I think it's particularly if it's a points league, I, I could get behind that. 
but it, it's not it's not something I'm going to universally recommend in every scenario. Chris, if you have just a roster spot to play with, who would you rather take a shot on, Taj Bradley or Edouard Julian? I would do Julian. I think there's probably a better chance that he sticks around and it might be different if Bradley was on a different team, but I just, I I think the Rays aren't, like I said, they're not sentimental about prospects. They're, they're fully willing to call a guy up for one start and then send him back down. So I think there's at least a chance Julian plays himself into a, an everyday role. I think that's less likely for Taj Bradley, not just because he's a starter and he would never play every day. Let's take our first break, and uh, when we get back, we'll get into all of the injuries at the shortstop position, and then one at pitcher two, here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, Now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. If you're looking for some Fantasy Baseball Today podcast merchandise, then you can find it over at the brand new Paramount Shop, which offers a mountain of merch from the Paramount shows and movies that you love. Shop official apparel, drinkware, and accessories inspired by over 150 fan favorite titles. Paw Patrol, Yellowstone, Top Gun, Star Trek, South Park, SpongeBob SquarePants, and your favorite CBS Sports podcasts like Pick 6, Fantasy Football Today, and of course, Fantasy Baseball Today. Scan the QR code in the top right corner if you're watching on YouTube or head over to ParamountShop.com. Paramount Shop, where products are Paramount. The state of the shortstop position. We are going through it right now. We already lost O'Neill Cruz. He is out for the next four months. Tim Anderson was placed on the IL on Tuesday with a sprained left knee and is expected to miss two to four weeks. Lennon Sosa was recalled and was actually off to a hot start in the minors. Corey Seager left Tuesday's action with hamstring tightness. Dansby Swanson left with cramping, though David Ross in town overly concerned. And of course, Carlos Correa has missed two straight games with back spasms. So it is a, a tough go right now. The most added shortstops on CBS are Jorge Mateo, who's up to 74% rostered, Bryce Terang, Orlando Arcia, Somehow, Nico Horner is just 77% rostered. So if you play in a 10-team league or a points league, just check to see if he's available because 
He just keeps on hitting two for four on Tuesday, a double, two RBI, added his fifth steal of the season, uh, and he's been leading off. So Nico Horner looks like a great play thus far. Uh, a couple names that made some noise on Tuesday. John Birdie went two for three with a walk, a sock, and a shoe, his first home run and his second steal. Bryson Stott went two for four with two RBI, three hard hits in that game, and he's betting 422 early on in the season. Scott, lots of moving parts, lots of injuries. We're going through it. Uh, how are you trying to address the the shortstop needs right now? Boy, it's bad. I mean, I don't play in any league where Nico Horner is available. You kind of understand why his roster rate's that low on CBS because it's a, a points league heavy site and his skill set isn't best suited for points leagues. But you know, if you're looking for a shortstop on the waiver wire, this this is kind of the this was kind of the problem with shortstop, right? Is it, it had a it had more than 12 really deserving starters. So if you played in a shallow league, oh, there's plenty of shortstops to go around. But there there wasn't like a, you, you, you didn't have a, a deep arsenal of low-end types like at second base and first base to potentially fill in if somebody went down. So all these injuries happening at once at this position is just like, it's a disaster in fantasy. And it, the deeper your league is, the more disastrous it is because I'm in some leagues and, and they're not even that crazy deep. We're talking about less than 400 players rostered. There's just nothing out there. There's just nothing. I mean, maybe Edmundo Sosa who started to play more for the Phillies. But it's, you know, if you lost Corey Seager, if you lost O'Neill Cruz earlier this week who were two from, who were two you might have paid up for at, at a, that deep position, not wanting to settle for the, you know, Willie Adamas's and Carlos Correa's of the world. Like there's, there's just no making up for that production at that position, unless you, unless you're able to pull off a miraculous trade, but you're probably sacrificing something significant in some other area to do that. Yeah. So I know that's not particularly helpful. I, I guess I'm just sympathizing with those who find themselves in that position. And one of the trade candidates we told people to go out and acquire if they needed power from shortstop was Corey Seager, who again also left on Tuesday. Chris, any interest in Lennon Sosa with the White Sox? He was off to a great start in the minors, 448 batting average with two home runs. Last year in the minors, he hit 315 with 23 home runs and 880 OPS. Anything to see there with Lennon Sosa? The the numbers are relatively interesting for a guy who produced in the high minors and didn't strike out very much uh, and wasn't old. You know, he was 22. So I'm going to say there's some interest. I, I want to see what he looks like first. But yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. And in your deeper leagues, if you've got a, a roster spot to play with and you lost shortstop, I, I think he might be worth a flyer. Yeah, I, I, I would rather have Bryce Terang for sure. And then he's someone who you know, really stands out at 58% rostered as, as potentially under rostered. I know there's some, some playing time concerns there as with everyone on the Brewers, frankly, but uh, he's someone who I could see, you know, really breaking out. And, you know, we haven't seen it from Ezekiel Tovar yet, but I I would still, if you're looking for a buy low candidate, he's probably at the top of the list at shortstop for me. Yeah. And I'd I'd still put Anthony Volpe there too. In fact, I'd sure have Volpe who was out of the lineup for the first time today, Tuesday, against a bad pitcher, too. That was annoying. But I, I don't think that's going to become the norm. Like, as I said yesterday, I'm going to give up on Anthony Volpe when the Yankees give up on him because I think they have more to lose by sticking with him than I do. 
I, I do want to say too, like we're in a position now at shortstop where there's no choice but to see the glass half full with Orlando Arcia. Well, I think sure. it's a, I think it's a long shot. He turns into an impactful fantasy player, but there is there is an argument to be made for it. And um, I mean, now in CBS leagues, he's up to fifty three percent rostered, so it's not even that low. Uh, but he's you know off to a very nice start, and and not just in terms of statistics, but the underlying data too looks pretty good for Orlando Arcia. On the other hand, Bryson Stott, I can't say that for him. He has yeah. a high batting average so far, and, he, and I know he's batted leadoff for the Phillies some recently. I'm just not seeing it in the data. Like he looks very underwhelming still. I think John Birdie, I mean, with these new rules, he is someone that could just run wild, especially while Joey Wendell is on the IL. So he's been playing every day. He has second, third, and shortstop eligibility on CBS. So I think that's an option. In particular, if you need speed, if you were depending on Tim Anderson for 20-plus deals or O'Neill Cruz for 20-plus deals, just go out and check if uh, John Birdie is available. I mentioned Nico Horner. I, I wanted to talk about this game earlier. It was kind of a an oh-my-goodness-gracious game of the night. The Mariners and the Cubs, they combined for 23 runs on 28 hits in that game. For the Cubs, mentioned what Horner did already. Trey Mancini, he got on the board two for five with his first home run as a member of the Cubs. Nelson Velasquez is back with the team. He had a huge game, three for four with a grand slam, three runs scored, had three batted balls over 101 miles per hour. We know that he can hit the ball hard. He's got power. He's got speed. But can he make enough contact? That is the biggest question uh, with Nelson Velasquez. And then on the other side for the Mariners, uh, Ty France is off to a very nice start. He went three for four with two runs scored and two RBI. Eugenio Suarez had hit his first home run. And Jared Kelnick, back-to-back days with a home run now. He went two for three with two walks, a double, and that homer uh, hitting the ball hard early on. Four walks to 10 strikeouts on the season. He's 64% rostered. Uh, Scott, anything with, uh, we spoke about Kelnick yesterday. I feel like we were kind of, you know, a little cautious about it just because we don't know if he's going to play every day. But uh, any updated thoughts on him and Nelson Velasquez in very deep leagues? Well, not really an updated thought on Kelnick. I I, I, I guess what this means, him him getting hot here and, and suddenly his season numbers look great other than the very high strikeout rate is just, okay, it's, it's too early to give up on Kalnick. You may have thought you you were able to free a rost, up a roster spot mm-hmm. early when he got off to a slow start, but clearly we need to see more from him. I will say, though, 31% ro- strikeout rate while basically not facing lefties yet. It's, it's concerning. But no, I, I agree that he's at least giving you reasons to not give up yet, which is all you're looking for at this point in the year for a player like him. All right, let's get into the rest of the news and notes. The big pitcher injury from Tuesday's action. Brandon Woodruff will be placed on the IL with shoulder inflammation. Jansen Junk is likely to start on Wednesday. And Chris, I assume there's nothing to see there with Jansen Junk. I mean, he's a hard thrower, right? I think that was a thing last year. I'm I'm just doing a bit. Uh, I'm not interested in Jansen Junk. He does junk. I fell for it. Uh, I, I wouldn't freak out if you have Woodruff either. It... The way they described it was he had trouble bouncing back from his last start, so they just wanted to be extra careful yeah. early in the year. Sometimes is, they say that and it turns into more, but it it, it sounds like a minimal stay thing. For it was easier to buy that back in the 10-day IL time period where like you would only technically have to miss one turn through the rotation. It's, a, it's slightly more, it's about 50% more concerning with a 15-day IL. 
All right, that is Brendan Woodruff. That's the number of extra days. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) five more days. Okay. Uh, Justin Verlander was still limited to flat ground throwing. As of Tuesday, he said publicly that he expects to return before April ends. I don't know. Let's see. Weird day for Carlos Rodon updates. Earlier in the day, we heard that he was dealing with back stiffness. And then later in the day, apparently he threw on Tuesday, threw off flat ground um, and uh, is slated for a bullpen session on Wednesday, assuming that his body bounces back all right. And it sounds like they have ruled out an April return. I don't know that we were really expecting that, but uh, perhaps early to mid-May is realistic for Carlos Rodon. Robbie Ray hasn't started throwing yet, but is feeling better. He's on the IL with that grade one flexor strain. Max Free took part in feeling drills on Tuesday and could return without making a rehab start. Tyler Glass now threw a 15-pitch bullpen session. It was the first time he's thrown off a mound since suffering the oblique strain, which I get kind of mixed up with these timelines, but if he's only throwing a bullpen session now, I think the timeline of when we ex- we expected him to be back by like late April or early May, that's probably not realistic, right? I think late or early May is probably still possible. Late April seems very unlikely. Okay. Glaber Torres was removed after tweaking his right hip flexor. Aaron Boone didn't sound too worried about it. Eloy Jimenez could return to action this weekend. I know he's been swinging and running, but it just feels very soon for someone who has consistently dealt with leg injuries and all kinds of things. So rather just take the time and, Come back fully healthy. Bryce Harper took grounders and performed modified sliding drills Tuesday because apparently that's actually how he hurt his arm in the first place, his elbow. Uh, He has a follow-up appointment later this month as he rehabs that surgically repaired UCL. I saw, I think it was uh, Rob Thompson um, said that if he had been cleared to play to slide, that's the one thing they're waiting on he would be ready to play in minor league games, but they're still waiting on him to be cleared to slide. Um, so it it sounds like he's making really good progress. Yep. And we saw Bryce Harper play last year with that, you know, partial tear. And he was still, I look, he wasn't as good as we normally know him to be, but he was still pretty good. So uh, we'll see. Amazing in the postseason. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Stalling Marte returns to the lineup Tuesday after dealing with a minor neck strain. Seth Brown will be sidelined four to six weeks after being diagnosed with a grade two left oblique strain. Daniel Bard faced live hitters on Tuesday for the first time since landing on the IL with anxiety. Jesse Winker has missed two straight with an illness that has kept him away from the team. Yoan Moncada is likely out until Friday at the earliest. He is dealing with a back. I think it's back. Uh, Ranger Suarez threw a 35-pitch bullpen session Tuesday using all of his pitches, and he's rehabbing a left uh, left forearm inflammation and is mildly interesting in deeper leagues. You know, 15-teamers, anything deeper than that. Uh, Ranger Suarez is 35% rostered. Johnny Cueto could be sidelined several weeks, which would keep Braxton Garrett around longer than expected, which is pretty interesting. Herman Marquez's MRI revealed that he has a right forearm strain, but no structural damage. Elijaris Montero was scratched Tuesday. I didn't see an actual diagnosis for the injury. Yeah, I looked for it. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, weird. Scott McGuff was placed on the paternity list. What do you know? Francisco Alvarez started against a lefty. Ryan Weathers on Tuesday night. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. And Mm. they have a day game on Wednesday. I know because I'll be there. And uh, I guess that is probably another game that Francisco Alvarez will not play in. Um, I would guess so. Yeah. And they're going up against a lefty in Blake Snell. So 
Bad news. Yeah, maybe it's a DH day, but I don't know. Maybe DH. They've Go they've ahead. said they they've said they don't want him to DH. Since they, they said they uh, I I saw a quote. Um, there was something before the season. Basically, no, they, it was, it was recent. Season, but, uh, I'll look for it. But yeah, I think they so said they want to stick with veteran players at DH. Okay. Uh, Mike Soroka tossed four innings of one run ball in his second start at AAA. And I guess we didn't really factor that in, Scott, to our Bryce Elder analysis. But, you know, if Elder has one bad start and Soroka continues to look okay in his you know, minor league rehab outings, then we could just see them make them that swap at some point. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Elder would have to falter at this point. And, okay. and, I don't think he's going to falter at Kansas City in his next start. But as I said yesterday, I don't think there's a ton of upside there. It's just more of we're, we're, we're hoping he's a floor play for a really good team and turns into a fantasy asset because of that. And I think like, I'd still rather roster Elder than Soroka in fantasy at this point, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Speaking of the Braves, Ian Anderson will require Tommy John surgery really just hasn't looked right over the past year or so. And good news for you, Scotty, as Alex Kirloff will begin a rehab assignment at single A, and he continues to work through off and on wrist troubles, but hopefully we can get him back. So I I sent out a tweet, uh, quote, I was quote tweeting this news saying, you know, make us proud. And somebody responded, who's, whose spot would he take in the twins lineup when he returns? (laughs) It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I don't think we can pin a specific return date on Alex Kirilov. Let's just <laughs> let's just make sure he holds together right now. Yeah. But hopefully he, you know, destroys triple well, single A, I guess, is where he's starting. Hopefully he destroys the pitching there like he did triple A last year and and uh and it all magically comes together for him. That's the hope. Roster Resource currently has Donovan Solano playing first base for the Minnesota Twins. So, look, if Kirilov's healthy, I think he'll have a spot in the Twins rotation. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of guys got hurt, but yeah. Let's talk about some waiver wire pitchers here from Tuesday. Mitch Keller, another strong start, this time against the Houston Astros. Six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts in that game, 11 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. He's up to 59% rostered, so... Still could be out there in some 12-team leagues. David Peterson, a solid bounce-back outing against the Padres. Five and two-thirds, two runs, six strikeouts. Kyle Freeland, I don't know how, but he's doing it. He's going out there. He's throwing quality starts. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts for him against the Cardinals in Coors Field. And Josiah Gray was solid at the Angels. Five and two-thirds, two runs, three strikeouts. He really powered through this one because... Looking into the numbers, he just did not have it. Eight swinging strikes, 22% CSW. That's, those are both pretty bad. Didn't have anything with the slider. Just one swinging strike on that pitch. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's a I, testament I, I, that he was able to get through nearly six innings of work, but it's not like he was great. A good, a good Angels lineup. Like, yeah. Josiah Gray, he's, he's doing what we wanted him to do, which was de-emphasize the fastball. He, it was... It was tied for his fourth most used pitch in this start. He's got a sinker now. He's, you know, throwing the slider and curveball more. He's got the cutter, which doesn't look any better than the fastball, but <laughs> it at least gives hitters another look. So um, I, I still have a healthy curiosity uh, about Josiah Gray. I, I don't think he's anywhere close to must roster, but I'm I'm not totally ready to bury him yet. 
He uh, he was throwing some changeups today. Okay, one changeup today, which was his first one all season. It was a nice one though. I will give him that. Uh, I think he got Shohei Otani looking for one of his strikeouts with the changeup. So it's it's sort of it feels a little Mitch Kellery, where it's like just tinker well, until you find something that works. And Mitch Keller may have found something that works. He, he, he may have. He may have because, okay, this is two great starts in a row for Keller against the Astros this yep. time. Red Sox last time. But, you know, this was a tough matchup, and he came through again. The, you know, the, 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 the numbers underneath the numbers aren't that impressive. 11 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. It, they look better against the Red Sox. But what? What stands out for Keller to me is just how much he's varying his arsenal from start to start. It's it's a very you Darvish, Joe Musgrove thing he has going mm-hmm. on there, where like it's 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 been a different each of his three starts. It's been a different pitch that's been his most thrown yep. pitch. And this one, it was the sl- the sweeper. slider, sweeper, the sweeper. yeah, yep. the sweeper slider, um, fastball. Last time, cutter the first start. And like it's, he just seems to be keeping hitters off balance. So he may have figured something out. I think he's like he's another pitcher that I'd rather have than than Taj Bradley. Yeah, I think. And one point. thing that he started doing last season when he started emphasizing his sinker was um, started generating a lot more weak contact. He wasn't getting any strikeouts, but he was at least not getting crushed. Baby steps. Uh, that's continued so far. His average exit velocity allowed is like 83 miles per hour through three starts. It was 83.8 last in this game, 82.3 coming in. So, you know, if he can maintain an above average strikeout rate, not a 30% one like he currently has, and be really, really good on quality of contact, and maybe just the kitchen sink approach helps in that regard. Maybe he just makes hitters uncomfortable now. Yeah, Mitch Keller is kind of interesting. So Keller is at the top of this list, right? I assume. Of these four, yeah, I would go Keller, Gray, Peterson, Freeland, who just keeps doing this. Anything to see here in deeper leagues? Ryan Weathers at the Mets, five innings, one run, three strikeouts in that one. He's only three percent rostered. Chris, anything to see? I'm not going to say definitively no, but I probably need to see more before I buy into anything. So yeah. Just a deep league guy. Yeah, I don't think there's anything there yet, but throwing a new sweeper and velocity up a little bit for Ryan Weathers, and he pitches for a good team, so not yet, but if he strings together a couple more good starts, then maybe I could see it happening. A, a, a lot more change-ups than he used to throw, too, and that was actually a mm-hmm. really effective pitch in his first start, not so much in the second one. But yeah, I'm keeping an eye on Ryan Weathers. Okay. If you want to add some pitchers, then you need some to drop. Let's take our final break, and when we get back, we'll talk about those players on Fantasy Baseball today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 
4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Let's fire up the dropo meter. One is a player that you must hold, and 10 is someone that you could drop anywhere. And we'll start it off with Hayden Wesneski, who I don't know what's going on, but it's uh, it's not good. One and a third <laughs> innings uh, here, only four outs recorded, seven runs, two earned, some bad defense behind him earlier on in this game, four walks, zero strikeouts. So look, it's I'm not going to make excuses. He was flat out bad in this start as well 64 percent rostered chris we'll start with you the drop meter on wesneski uh yeah he was someone i i liked as a sleeper towards the end of spring when we got res- talk about new height and velocity but he's been so bad in the early going and the velocity's been up a little bit but nothing special i'm gonna say he's a nine i think he's pretty droppable okay let's yeah i I, I just want to say, like, Wesneski is a textbook case of, I still think there's a good pitcher in there that we'll probably see eventually. But he's been so bad and was so unproven coming in that, like, you drop him and nobody's picking him up. Like, there's no reason you you need to protect him at this point. And the, the, the breakout case was largely, like, he was throwing 98 in spring. He was sitting 95, throwing 98. And this one, he topped out at 95. His velocity was up less than half a mile per hour from last year. So I, I think you can drop him, yeah. Okay. What about the Mount Rushmore? Miles Michaelis got knocked around again. It was in Coors Field. Five innings, two runs. Uh, no, 10 hits, six earned runs in this one. Three home runs allowed. Uh, he has given up five-plus runs in all three starts. The matchups, Blue Jays, Braves, and now Coors Field. So obviously very tough. Scott, 90% rostered. Where are you at? Drop a meter on Miles Michaelis. So I'm going to say seven for now. I want to give him one more chance. A, because this start was Coors. B, because his next start is against the Pirates. I like that he's not walking anybody still. And we're seeing a lot of pitchers shoot themselves in the foot now with walks at a time when you can least afford to walk batters because you're giving up more hits in general. You're giving up more home runs again. So... You know, three terrible starts so far. I think if if he struggles against the Pirates, that's I could I could definitely be compelled to drop Michaelis at that point. All right, let's stick with you, Scotty, and we'll go over to Merrill Kelly, who actually wasn't bad. He probably shouldn't be on this list. Well, maybe six innings, three runs, four walks, and seven strikeouts. He has exactly four walks in all three of his starts. Control hasn't really been an issue for him uh, since he's returned to the majors. So. Not really sure what's going on there. 82% roster. Scott, where are you at? Drop a meter, Merrill Kelly. I'll say 3.5. Uh, I, I could see maybe the necessity of dropping him in certain cases, but I'd rather not. 
the, the fact that he's issued four walks in each of these three starts is the weird thing for him. And, and it's so out of character that I don't think it's going to last. Uh, last year, Merrill Kelly threw 65.5% of his pitches for strikes. And that's basically his career mark as well. This year, instead of 65%, it's 58%. So he's, he's an example of one of those pitchers who's shooting himself in the foot with walks. But again, that the history is such that I don't think it's going to continue. And uh, um, I, I still like to hold on to him. Let's quickly talk about some aces that actually showed up here on Tuesday and were very good. Shout out to you, Chris, the only one who was not worried about Corbin Burns and <laughs> made me look a little foolish here on a Tuesday. Eight shutout with eight strikeouts to uh, zero walks. He upped his changeup and curveball usage in this start. Velocity was up a little bit as well, so looked awesome. Truly awesome uh, in that start for Corbin Burns. No walks, you know, compared to five over his first two starts. Garrett Cole, another strong outing. Seven innings, two runs, three strikeouts at the Guardians. Jacob deGrom, two awesome starts in a row following his opening day snafu. Seven innings, two runs, nine strikeouts to zero walks with 20 swinging strikes. Shohei Otani, now three for three in quality starts. Seven shutout, only one hit allowed. Five walks, though. He has... 12 walks in three starts. He just looks a little off so far. And even with that, he's still been really good. He's only allowed one earned run so far this season. Uh, and then Shane O'Mac, Shane McClanahan, nine strikeouts over five innings pitch, but another, you know, four walks for him. Control's been a little bit off his his past two starts. Scott, any thoughts on these uh, on this group? Shane O'Mac, Otani, Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, and Corbin Burns. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was encouraged by what I saw from Burns. He kind of split the difference between last year's velocity and this year's velocity with the uh, cutter. So it's trending up. That's an encouraging sign. And I feel pretty optimistic he's going to be fine now. Uh, since you mentioned Otani and McClanahan, two others who had a big walk total, otherwise pitch well. You know, a, a lot of people raise this point whenever I talk about the struggles of pitchers this year is, okay, how much of this is the pitch clock and then maybe hurrying through their normal routine. And it's way too early to credit that with this, but it's it's a reasonable enough theory at this point. Like if, if walks continue to be an issue for pitchers who haven't struggled with them in the past, then uh, you know, we'll have to we'll have to consider it more. So one it's thing, just a theory right now. One thing on the topic of pitchers who ha- usually have good control, having a lot of walks early on. Uh, there was a quote from Buck Showalter the other day. I think it was on Saturday. Quote, the baseball is so slick this time of year, it's really hard. I think you've seen a lot with some of the command and the cold games. I still haven't solved that issue early in the season of how hard the ball is to grip. Now, that would be less of an issue on a day like today where it was warmer across the country. But it's one thing to keep in, keep in mind that that, one, that quote stuck out to me when I saw it. So I wanted to, wanted to surface that one. Hey, real quick. That's right. I'm stealing it from Adam. Let's get a quick thought on each of these pitchers. Speaking of walks and being wild, Alec Manoa, what is going on? He's up against the Tigers. Four and a third, three runs allowed, five walks. Scott, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I would bet against it continuing, but this is a combined nine walks in his last two starts. And he still threw 68% of his pitches for strikes in this one, despite walking five. I don't know how that happens, but I, I think that's an encouraging sign. Yeah, the velocity remains down for him, which 
uh, I think I learned my lesson from Corbin Burns. I'm not freaking out, but it's just yeah. something that it's, we need to watch with Manolo. It's not as big of a drop as Burns was either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Nola, not great once again, up against the Marlins. Five and two-thirds, nine hits, four earned runs, and so far this season, he has a 383 bat up against and a 54% strand rate. So that sounds about as by low as you can get, Chris. Yeah, we've done with, with this with Aaron Nola. He has stretches like this. His margin for error is maybe a little slimmer than most other aces because he doesn't have the overwhelming stuff. But at the end of the day, he usually looks like Aaron Nola. I think he will look like Aaron Nola moving forward. Christian Javier was not great again, and this time at the Pirates with no O'Neill Cruz in the lineup. Six innings, four runs, only three strikeouts, two home runs allowed. Fastball down a little bit uh, early on this season as well. Scott, a quick thought on Christian Javier. Yeah, I'm just not that concerned yet. Hasn't been bad enough to really stress me too much. He wasn't great in the World Baseball Classic, was he, if I'm remembering correctly? Uh, I don't remember any any performances from him at all, actually. Okay. Um, Maybe I'm remembering differently. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can look that up real quick. Okay. Uh, let's move over to Jesus. No, no, no. Grayson Rodriguez first. Did not have it here in his second outing. First time pitching in Camden Yards uh, against the Oakland A's, no less. Four and a third, five runs allowed, four walks, so definitely wild. Six strikeouts, still had 15 swinging strikes. Chris, what did you see from uh, Grayson Rodriguez? I'm starting to think the the idea that he wasn't ready at the start of or at the end of spring might have been accurate because he just has not. You know, I, I think the term that was used when he got sent down was like he wasn't finishing his pitches, uh, specifically the slider and. That's kind of what I've seen when I've watched him so far. Is it just like the slider command hasn't been there yet? And yeah, I, I think he, uh, he's he got some work to do. I'm not necessarily saying he needs to get sent down, but it's uh, he, he's not there yet. I wouldn't feel great about starting him. Okay. Javier's only starting the World Bowl. Yeah, he was, was, he was dominant. Was seven, seven strikeouts in three innings. Scott, any thoughts on these three pitchers? Jesus Lozardo uh, was still good, but looked a little bit more human against the Phillies. Six innings, three runs, five strikeouts in that one. Kyle Wright made his first start of the season. He allowed four earned runs over three innings pitched with four walks. So we know control has been an issue for him in the past. And then Lance Lynn, not all the way back, but he was better. Six innings, three runs, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. Uh, Any thoughts on Lynn, Wright, and Lozardo? My thoughts on Luzardo and Lynn are very positive. Luzardo has had at least 15 swinging strikes in all three of his starts, and he got uh, he did it with a wide variety of pitches in this one. Not sure if I'm going to find it real quick, but okay, here we go. Three on the fastball, four on the sinker, six on the slider, three on the changeup. I think he's possibly going to take another step forward this year, and, and Lynn seems fine. You know, he got 18 swinging strikes. He's good. Right is... A concern because we haven't seen him pitch well yet this year, whether it's spring training, minors, or now the majors. But the stuff, it, it seemed it seemed more or less fine. Uh, the velocity was down less than I feared it would be. Uh, the, and on the curveball, which remember his breakout last year was a big jump in curveball velocity. That was the same, and he didn't lose any velocity there. The spin was down on the curveball, so I'm not sure what to make of that. I think the biggest issue for Wright, though, is that his his command is just off. He walked four in this one. And um, so until he gets that right, understandably, given all the time he missed, 
it, it's hard to assess anything else. I mean, watching him pitch, he, he got some, he got some big, uh, you know, swings and misses. He got some chases, uh, but he was just out of the zone too much. And so hopefully that improves. Can't use him right now. Can't use him until it does. The one thing I want to keep in mind on with Kyle Wright was something that he talked about when he got that PRP or whatever, inject cortisone injection in his shoulder. And he talked about how last year he wasn't able to get as much extension on his pit, on his release. Um, I'm trying to find that it's harder to find on a one star. Yeah, it wasn't basis. just last year. He said it's been a few years of, he, you know, he's, he, yeah. he hasn't been able to get the full extension and he thought his fastball was going to play up now because of that. Yeah. So that, that's something I'm trying to look up, but I haven't been able to find anything on it uh, yet. So that'll be something maybe tomorrow when, when baseball savant updates, we can take a look at and get an idea of where Kyle Wright is, but you know, but, it, it wouldn't surprise me like if his delivery is a little different, it might take him a little while to figure to yeah. rediscover how to throw strikes. You know, his pitches are going to move a little differently. Right. I mean, if your arm action is changing, then that that is that introduces a major variable to the equation here. So I, you know, I don't really know what to make of Kyle Wright yet, but I guess I would say, other than the walks, I wasn't especially discouraged by what he did today. Okay, I had a segment lined up. Uh, asking about waiver wire hitters, where should these guys be rostered? We're not going to get to all of them. The one that I do want to highlight is Josh Lowe, who had a big game. He went two for three. Shout out to the Rays, by the way, 11 and 0. I mean, they are just, they are cruising on by right now. Uh, Josh Lowe went two for three with a sock in his shoe, his second home run, his first steal. The home run, 109 miles per hour off the bat. It was over 400 feet. Last year's strikeouts were a huge issue for Josh Lowe. He's got the strikeout rate down to 15% so far. It's very small sample size, only 27 plate appearances, uh, 15% rostered. Chris, this is someone I knew, know that you had you know, mild interest in as a deep sleeper. Uh, what size leagues do you think Josh Lowe needs to be rostered in right now? You are muted, sir. I, you know, I hit the button, and I'm now realizing that I muted myself when I thought I was already. <laughs> Josh Lowe probably needs to be rostered in... I can't say 12 team five outfielder leagues yet. So anything deeper than that, but he's yeah. just, you know, the fact that he's probably not going to be playing every day until deep, deep into the season, I think, um, you know, limits the appeal. Uh, yeah, I was kind of on the fence there. I was like, maybe if you're really desperate in a five outfielder 12 team league, uh, I could see it, but probably not a must yet in yes, formats was, like that. This was only his sixth start, which is, yep. you know, speaks to what Chris was saying. And I would guess not against any lefties. Right. Uh, shout out to uh, Brandon Lau, who has home run, has homered in four straight games and the back looks good so far and hopefully he can keep it up. Let's talk about some bullpen updates for the Oakland A's. I, I just have no idea. Uh, Danny Jimenez entered in the seventh <laughs> inning with the game tied. Bases loaded. He gave up a single and then a grand slam. No clue. Uh, for th- I mean, that kind of sounds like, you know, fireman usage. He's just, <laughs> I you know, guess, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't make me think that the outcome is going to lead to more fireman usage. Pathetic. You're choice supposed to fire put the fire out. out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If that fireman showed up to your fire. You would be calling your insurance company because it's over. <laughs> Not great. Uh, for the Braves, A.J. Minter unavailable. Nick Anderson pitched a clean ninth for his first save of the season. 
a name to watch, I would say, in deeper leagues. For the Minnesota Twins, Yoan Duran got the ninth inning in a one-run game. He gave up a game-tying home run to Luis Robert, who, by the way, is off to a Very quietly, start. yeah. Five home runs yeah. for Luis Robert. Yep, he, he's looked very good. For the White Sox, Ronaldo Lopez pitched a clean ninth with the game tied. For the Rangers, Will Smith pitched a clean eighth with a one-run lead, then gave up a single to lead off the ninth. Uh, so they were, I, I don't know if they were going to leave him out there for a two-inning save, but maybe. Uh, and then Jose Leclerc came in, he walked one, and then gave up a game-tying single. On the other side of that game, for the Royals, Aroldis Chapman pitched a clean bottom of the ninth with the game tied, and then they took the lead, the top of the tenth, Scott Barlow comes in at the bottom of the 10th, gave up a game-tying single to Adolis Garcia, and then a walk-off three-run homer to Jonah Heim. And it's just, you kind of feel things starting to tilt in the favor of Aroldis yeah. Chapman I'm, here. I'm, it's all coming I'm gonna, together. I don't know if Chapman's going to lead the team in saves the rest of the season because he's very likely to get traded at some point, but as long as he's on the roster, I'm going to plant my flag and say he leads the team in saves until that point. Yeah, the velocity is up. He's he's looked really sharp so far. So it uh, seems like it might be going that way for the Royals. For the Rockies, Pierce Johnson entered the ninth with the game tied. Tied no more. He gave up three runs, and he took the loss in that game. For the Angels, Carlos Estevez walked one, but picked up his first save. 52% rostered, if you are looking for saves out there. For the Dodgers, Evan Phillips entered the ninth down two runs. Not really sure why. Maybe there's needed to get him some work uh he proceeded to give up three more runs including two homers so not the Dave best roberts i believe before the game said evan phillips was pitching tonight no matter what mm-hmm. all right the and, and and david roberts over the weekend kind of anointed phillips the closer mm-hmm. yeah uh, not in so many words but it about as directly as dave roberts is capable of doing so this was a discouraging turn of events but i still think phillips is an exciting choice if he's still out there in your league the regular closers uh for the pirates david bednar entered the ninth with a two-run lead he gave up two runs one of them was earned and he wound up with the win because on for the houston astros ryan presley pitched the bottom of the ninth game tied gave up a three-run homer to g juan bay and frankly ryan presley has looked kind of off uh to start the season here and we know he's dealt with injuries in the past, so uh, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, obviously, there's some pretty good options there with uh, Rafael Montero uh, also in that bullpen. For the Padres, Josh Hader entered with a three-run lead. He gave up one run but picked up his fourth, fourth save. And Ryan Helsley pitched a ninth inning in Colorado with a three-run lead and picked up the save there as well. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Wednesday. Clark Schmidt at Lee Guardians. Not me. It nope. feels like I brought him up three days in a row. I mean, when is this guy going to pitch? It's, I, I don't know, weird. Your, 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 sex, your segment here, Frank. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how it became my segment, but it is. Uh, Ty- <laughs> Tyler McGill versus the Padres. No. no. Edward Cabrera at the Phillies. No. You can't. Would you guys drop Edward Cabrera for Taj Bradley? Because I actually told someone to do that on Twitter. And then I was like, uh, I don't know. But it's kind of close. Hmm. Like it's it's the sort of thing where if Edward Cabrera is great at Philadelphia, I'll regret that move immediately. That's true. So probably not, but it's it's more justifiable than justifiable than most of the examples you gave. All right, uh, Mackenzie Gore at the Angels. I think that's probably going to be the closest to a yes from me for for Wednesday here. Ken Waldachuk at the Orioles. It's not an enthusiastic yes, for what it's worth. Uh, no. 
No, for, no to Waltercheck. Dean, mm-hmm. Dean Kramer versus the A's. No. Brad, nah. Brad Keller at the Rangers. No. Nah. Brad Keller, watch him though, because he's doing some different things this year. Eduardo Rodriguez at the Blue Jays. I would Do I have to watch to. Brad Keller? <laughs> More like Bad Keller. Nah, he's going to be good Keller this year. Maybe. I don't like Rad Keller. <laughs> Dre Jameson versus the Brewers. First start. Uh, uh, it, it's probably the second best option, but I'd rather not do it. It's yeah, scary. This one's kind of interesting. Griffin Canning is making his first start, and he's going up against the Nationals. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing what he does, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna use him. Coming off a long injury layoff. That's fair. How about Taj Bradley in his debut against the Red Sox? Too risky. Yep. No. Thursday, Cole Irvin versus the A's. Revenge game. Yeah, I kind of like that. Chris? I'm okay with it, yeah. I actually just wanted you to stall for a second because I was going to play the uh, the soundbite. Do you know where this is from, Chris? I will have my vengeance. Yes. In this life or the next. Yes, of course I do. Well, where is it from, Chris? We're getting a, we're getting a, we're getting a, a Gladiator sequel, apparently. Ah, come on. I mean, look, it's an awesome movie, but some things are just better left the way they were right the way they ended there, there have been some rumors about a sequel to gladiator 2 for a while that are just wild like like that he goes and like fights the gods <laughs> i don't think that's what gladiator 2 is ultimately going to be but there was like a spec script floating around look it up yeah. it's wild so, sequels 25 years after the fact like this is becoming a more common thing <laughs> we're getting heat too baby oh, oh gosh <laughs> we're getting heat too seriously I think I think they're trying to tap into this nostalgia a little bit too much with these. Uh, oh, I don't know. Those guys are so old now. Twenty five and Pacino. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Did either of them die in the first Heat? I can't remember. I've actually never seen Heat. Oh, okay. Well, you know I haven't seen that's, it. That's that's my Frank impersonation. <laughs> Corey Kluber at the Tampa Bay Rays. Not with the way they're playing. No, uh, even though that is a revenge game as well. I just realized. Belly Falter at the Reds. Sure, Kluber has very hard feelings toward the Rays. Uh, yeah, I think we're no on Bailey yeah, Falter. No, uh, uh, no on Bailey Falter. Johnny Brito versus the Twins. No. Okay, and Nick Mar- what did you ask? Nick Martinez versus the Brewers. <laughs> it's not the worst, but I'd rather not. Yeah, if I'm choosing one on Thursday, it's uh, it's Cole Irvin, and, and hopefully yeah. he just doesn't get destroyed. All right, we're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.